team for leading us in our time of singing. Uh, welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we're glad that you could join us at Alliance International Church. Uh, those who were here last week would know that we, Pastor Mike um, introduced us to the, the series that we'll be working through. We're going to walk through the book of Philippians. Um, unfortunately, uh, Pastor Mike um, and his family actually has been sharing a pretty bad uh, flu virus. And so this past week he was quite ill and uh, by the end of the week was not uh, well enough or recovered enough to be able to uh, be with us this morning. So We'll be taking a pause, um, and so next week we will be diving into Philippians. Um, And so this week, um, as I was praying about what to share about today, since we're still uh, entering into a new year, um, God laid on my heart the idea of restoring relationships. And so we're going to look at uh, a book in the Bible, a very small book in the Bible called Philemon. Others uh, have pronounced it Philemon, but I'm used to Philemon, so that's how I'll pronounce it. And uh, it's a small book in the Bible. It's only one chapter. It is only, I think, 25 verses. And uh, most Bibles have it all on one page. And it's, a, it's a, actually a short letter that Paul wrote to, the Apostle Paul wrote to his good friend Philemon, who was a slave owner turned Christian, follower of Jesus. And it was regarding Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus. And so I'll invite you, if you have your Bible, to, uh, to turn or on your digital device to look up Philemon. Uh, it's after Titus and right before uh, Hebrews. And it'll also be on the screen if you want to follow along. So I'm going to read this um, so we can have uh, kind of an idea of this letter. Okay, it starts like this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and also to Apaphia, our sister, to Acrippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. And I'm sending him, who is my heart, back to you. I would have liked to to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel, but... I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this 
with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefits from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Well, here in our scripture reading, we have uh, a heartfelt letter uh, that Paul wrote to his friend Philemon. And so um, as we read scripture, um, some of you are... Um, readers and enjoy to read. Some of you may be like me and are more audio or visual learners. And so I'm going to do a bit of a summary of uh, the scripture, um, but I'm asking for three people who I've asked in advance to come forward and uh, we're going to, they're going to kind of dramatically act out this, um, this little letter and what's going on here. So let's give a big hand to the guys who are coming forward. Okay, over here we have Paul, who is in chains for the sake of the gospel. And uh, over here, give away Philemon. Philemon is uh, the slave owner with a big stick. (laughs) Uh, Philemon, obviously, he's a dear friend of Paul. Paul calls him a fellow worker in the Lord. And uh, Philemon actually hosted a church in his home. So in his time, uh, Christians didn't meet in a big church building or in a covered playground at a primary school. Uh, but they were met in homes, and he hosted uh, a church in his home. He was known for being strong in his faith. He was known for his strong love for fellow Christians. And then finally, we have Philemon's slave, Onesimus. <laughs> and uh, we know that Onesimus did something wrong. Um, we're not sure exactly what he did. Um, it could be that he, he damaged uh, a valuable piece of Philemon's property. like an iPhone. (laughs) Uh, It could be that uh, he stole something from Philemon. Oh, that was sneaky. Fall for the misdirection every time. Um, We're not sure exactly what he did, but he did something and then he ran away. (laughs) Now, it could have been that he had plans to run away all along, so he stole supplies or money or whatever it was to, um, to survive on his own. Uh, but regardless, we know two things to be true. One, he ran away and he owed Philemon a debt. Now somehow, we don't know exactly how, but somehow Onesimus meets Paul. Um, now it could be that he committed a crime and landed in the same prison as Paul. So he's there, um, meets Paul in prison and Paul convinces Onesimus to return back to his good friend Philemon. Now, this would have been difficult for Onesimus because he was a runaway slave. And slave owners didn't usually um, show much mercy. So Paul writes this letter, and um, he uh, 
persuades Philemon to accept Onesimus back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, because in prison, Paul had led Onesimus to the Lord. Now, as uh, Onesimus goes back to his slave owner, Philemon, um, we can assume that Philemon actually welcomes him back, based on what we read in the, in the letter. Oh, that's sweet, isn't it? Two men hugging. And so here what we witness in this letter is a wonderful relationship, a wonderful example of a relationship restored. Let's give a big hand to our three volunteers. Okay, well, I believe there's much we can learn about restoring relationships from all three of the people who are involved uh, in this um, story today. First of all, we learned something about Paul. Paul was what I would call a peacemaker. Paul was a peacemaker. Paul was someone who sought to bring people together. You notice here that in this letter, Paul wasn't so much concerned as to who was right and who was wrong. We typically think in those terms today. Who, when there's an injustice, we want a punishment. When we're right, we want it to be resolved. Um, I can be a lot like that. Um, but he wasn't so concerned as to who was right and wrong. He wanted to restore the relationship. And so to demonstrate this, he was actually willing to pay Onesimus's debt for him. Um, and on top of this, we know that Paul was someone who viewed people equally. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, this view that Paul conveys there would have been um, totally against the culture of his day. Um, in his society, those who were free were seen up here in society. And those who were slaves were seen as the lowest form of life and even treated as if they weren't humans. I mean, they were owned as a piece of property and they were treated as such. Um, But Paul recognized the biblical view that God sees us all equally valuable in his eyes. Now today, most countries that we're from, um, unfortunately, slavery still exists today in some parts of the world. But but fortunately for, for most of us, we, we haven't experienced or seen slavery ourselves. Um, whenever my mom, when I was younger, would tell me to do chores and I didn't want to, she would say, son, we're not allowed to have slaves anymore, so that's why we have children. <laughs> so she would make me do chores. Um, now, even though we don't um, say here in Hong Kong slavery is not legal, um, it is very common for many of us to have a domestic helper. Uh, some of you are a domestic helper. Um, and I know of some families who treat their domestic helper with the utmost dignity and respect and almost like uh, he or she is a part of the family. Uh, unfortunately, well, and just um, as a side note, when uh, my wife and I first visited AIC, one of the things that we really valued here 
was that there wasn't this segregation of ethnicity. Um, and in fact, we saw people from different ethnic backgrounds serving publicly up front in roles. And that was something unique. Uh, I'd been a part of or been to other churches in Hong Kong where that was not the case. And so I'm so thankful that AIC, we have this value um, not based on ethnicity, not based on social status, but based on how we are all valuable in God's eyes because we're created in His image. However, there are, sadly, I know of cases where uh, domestic helpers and others are not seen in that light. They're clearly viewed as uh, and treated as inferior or second-class citizens. Um, <clears throat> And there are so many things that can divide us. Um, We think about the things that can bring barriers in our lives. Um, Sometimes there can be language barriers, and we we treat people differently based on whether they they speak English well or or not, or they speak a certain um, language. Uh, There can be barriers based on age. Um, The younger can have certain views of those who are older, and vice versa. Um, We can have uh, barriers based on culture where we come from and how we might value our culture more than others. Um, and there's, or even recently with political issues, whether you're pro or anti-Occupy Umbrella Movement, um, there's so many things that can divide us of where we think we are superior or better than others. And it actually often happens when someone harms us or wrongs us where we think we're right and you're wrong. Um, and, and these are examples of not viewing everyone equally. And so we as Christians, we need to be different. As followers of Christ, we need to be different. We need to be peacemakers. Um, we need to view everyone as God views them. And so Paul's motivating factor to be a peacemaker was his love. He, he tells Philemon, it's out of love that I'm telling you this. And so he wanted Philemon to view Onesimus as someone equally valued by God, regardless of his status as a slave and also regardless of what he had done to wrong Philemon. And so he was not to view um, Onesimus down here, but equally as a brother in Christ. And so if we're going to be peacemakers, we have to learn to love others. We have to learn to view others with the same value and dignity that God has for them. Um, even and especially those who have wronged us or who we know have wronged others. So we learned that Paul was a peacemaker. Uh, Secondly, we can also learn from Onesimus. And uh, we learned that Onesimus, the slave, was self-sacrificing. Onesimus was, what I mean by that, he was willing to give up his rights and freedom to return to Philemon and become a slave again. Now, we have to understand just how difficult this would have been for, um, for Philemon, you know, and we would understand that when we look at the historical context. Slaves in that day couldn't just run away from their master, come back, and think that everything's going to be okay. Um, usually, what would happen to fugitive slaves, if they were caught, one of two, th- one of two things would happen. First of all, if the slave owner was um, merciful they would be branded with the letter F on their forehead. And that stood for the Latin profugus, or, which meant fugitive. Um, and so they would have brand, been branded on their forehead for the rest of their life as a fugitive. Now that was if they were 
um, merciful. And that would have meant if they, were, if they were ever owned by another slave owner, they probably would have been treated more harshly, more confined, because they were known to be a, a runaway or a fugitive. Now, if the slave owner was not merciful, it was allowable under the law to, to punish them by death. Um, they could have, he could have been killed for running away um, and to be, be used as an example to other slaves to not dare try to run away. So not only was he probably going to, um, possibly going back to face punishment or even death, okay? So here he is, he's thinking about, okay, I'm either going to be branded a fugitive the rest of my life or I may even die. But think about it. He had run away in the first place so he could have his freedom. And yet he was willing to give that up and risk that to go back. So here he is giving up his freedom to go back to be a slave again. And so this would have been a tremendously difficult decision. And on top of that, when he goes back to Philemon, whom he wronged, he would have had to ask and even beg for Philemon's mercy and forgiveness. Well, have you ever wronged someone, um, done something wrong, and you knew it, and then you had to face that person and admit that you were wrong? If you've ever done that, now some of you may be like, well, I know I'm wrong, but I just don't go because I'm, I'm too proud to admit I'm wrong. And, um, but I face that in my, my life of having to fa- go face to face and apologize to someone. And that's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? I remember when I was just a kid and uh, my family would attend the ch- a church service every Sunday. And there was one Sunday where my parents were in the choir. Now, at that church, the choir didn't just come up and sing, but they would actually sit on the stage behind where the pastor would preach. And so they were sitting there, and I was, um, me and my brother were sitting with um, some, some friends of the family. Um, so there was one family my parents were close to, so we sat with them, and they had a couple boys as well. Um, and so um, while we were sitting, I remember that earlier in Sunday school, we had either made or received these bookmarks, and uh, they were made of plastic. And so I realized that if you swung it, it would make cool noises. And uh, so I was playing with it. We were hitting each other, and I would blow on it and make um, those kind of noises. And so I was making a lot of noise and playing around. And so the father, um, his name was Mr. Rice. (laughs) Mr. Rice um, was telling his kids to be quiet, and they obviously complied because they knew they would get punished if they didn't. Well, I just kept going and making noise, and I kept going louder. And um, so he, he finally leans over and he says, Daniel, you need to be quiet. Okay, please quiet down. And so I, I still remember to this day of me with all my energy, with all my strength, with all my rebellion and all my confidence, looking him right in the face and saying, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. And then I just kept playing and making noise. And, and I felt so cool. I showed him. And honestly, after the church service, I didn't think anything about it. I thought, oh, it's okay. And so um, after church, we normally uh, would go out to eat somewhere. And uh, so uh, we got in the car. I sat in the back with my brother. And my parents got in the car. And my dad starts the car. And he leans over. And he's talking to my mom. And then all of a sudden, when they're done, they both look back at me, 
in a very stern way. And I'm just like, he did it. I mean, my brother, I was like, I don't, I don't know. He did it. Um, and so I knew they were upset. And then my dad said, Daniel, I talked to Mr. Rice today after church. And at that moment, I sank back down in my seat and I knew something was coming. And I thought, oh boy, what's it going to be? No TV for a month. Am I going to be grounded from friends for a month? And are they going to sell my bike so I can't ride it anymore? I mean, I don't know. Um, And so my dad said, we're not going out to eat today. We're going to go home and have a small lunch. And after lunch, or at lunch, I want you to be thinking about what you're going to say to Mr. Rice when you apologize to him after lunch. And I was just like, no, I mean... (laughs) Take away my bike, take away my TV privileges. I won't, a whole year, I won't go out and play and sell all my toys and give it to the poor. I don't care, just not, I don't want to face him. And because I knew that that would be so humiliating. And so um, that was the fastest ride home I ever experienced. That was the fastest lunch I ever experienced and the fastest ride over to Mr. Rice's I'd experienced. And I was like, it was like, you know, who knows what he's going to do. And so we came up, we knocked on the door, and my heart was pounding, and I was so scared. And he opens the door, and my dad kind of pushes me and says, Daniel here has something to say to you. And so I was looking down, and my dad takes my chin, puts it up. (laughs) So I look up, and I say, I'm sorry. And that punishment literally was the worst punishment that I could face. And I'll I'll never forget how humiliating that moment was, how low I felt, how terrible I felt. Um, Now, for me, experiencing that, it was a little bit different. My dad forced me to go. But if we think about Onesimus, um, he was choosing on his own to go back to the person that he wronged. And his punishment was going to be far worse than humiliation and discomfort. And so if we're going to seek to restore relationships, uh, we have to learn uh, what it means to be humble. That was Onesimus's uh, motivation, was his humility. Being humble enough to admit that he was wrong. Humble enough to ask for forgiveness. And he was humble enough to give up his rights. And so we need to be humble enough to give up our so-called rights. And if we've wronged someone, humble enough to admit our mistake and then to seek for the relationship to be restored. Well, finally, we learn from Philemon. And uh, we learn that Philemon, as the slave owner, he was welcoming. Um, He was willing to forgive Onesimus and welcome him back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Now, this also would not have been easy for Philemon. Um, You see, by being merciful and gracious to his slave, he was risking his reputation in the community. Um, The other slave owners, I'm sure, would have been furious if he just lets this slide. And the reason is, is because, well, if Philemon treats his slave that way, then all the other slaves would demand to be treated that way. And obviously, the other slave owners wouldn't want this to happen. Um, And so what makes Philemon's decision all the better was that he did the right thing even if it went against the cultural norm. Um, Not only was Onesimus asking, returning to ask for forgiveness risky, okay, that was risky on Onesimus' part, but 
Philemon forgiving him would have been risky as well. But the motivation Philemon had was acceptance. And I'm sure that Philemon was keenly aware of what Paul taught, uh, which is recorded in Romans 15:7, which says, Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Philemon must have realized eventually that, you know what, he was just like Onesimus. Philemon himself had not always been faithful to Christ perfectly. There were times where Philemon failed Christ, where he had wronged Christ, where he had had to come to Christ to say, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, please accept me back. And so now that Onesimus is returning to seek forgiveness, how could Philemon not accept him back and forgive him? Because that's what Christ had done for him. I've heard it many times, but it's so true that Christians ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. And the reason is, is because we've been forgiven, because we've been accepted. And how dare we say, I can't forgive you for doing that. There are times where we've experienced hurt and pain that has been that painful where we think, I'll never forgive them for that. And yet if we're reminded of what Christ did for us, there's no way we can say that. Um, my dad had a uh, half-sister who, who passed away a few years ago. And I say half-sister because um, my dad's dad um, was married and um, had children, and then his wife passed away. And it wasn't until he was a bit older in years that he remarried my dad's mom. And so um, my dad's half-brother and sisters were much older. And I, I'll never forget one of them. Uh, her name was Elaine. And Elaine had a nephew, um, and Elaine lived a very difficult life as well. Um, she, uh, she was widowed early on and lived most of her adult life as a widow. Um, and so she had a nephew that she kind of took under her wing um, and treated him as her own child. And as he grew into adulthood, he um, got messed up in the wrong crowd, got involved in drugs and crime, and he eventually got arrested for being a drug dealer. His parents, the rest of the family, wanted nothing to do with him anymore. Um, they never talked to him. They said, good riddance, you've got what you deserve, I hope you go to jail, all of that. And yet, um, at his uh, um, bail hearing, or whatever it was, um, Elaine was there for him. And I think she even paid, paid the bail so he could not have to go to jail right away. And then after the trial, she would go every day to the trial. And, uh, and they were just like, the family was like, why are you bailing him out? You're helping him. He needs to learn his lesson. And uh, eventually he went to prison and um, she would go and visit him. But the response she gave was, she said, what he's done is wrong. There's no, no doubt. But God has not given up on him, so neither will I. God never gave up on me. How can I give up on him? And so she was one who got it. She understood that Christ was the one who accepted her, never gave up on her. So how can she not accept and give up on him uh, and not give up on him? Well, if we're going to restore relationships, we also need to learn to be welcoming and forgiving and accept others just as Christ has accepted us. 
Uh, going back to my childhood story of having to apologize to Mr. Rice, <clears throat> I didn't know how he would respond to my sheepish, little, pathetic, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was expecting him to maybe lecture me and tell me how I should respect my elders, respect those in authority over me, how wrong I was, don't ever let that happen again. Um, and so here I am bracing for what he's going to say or do. And his response blew me away. He just said, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. My boys are playing in the back if you want to join them. And I was just like, in my mind, is this a joke? <laughs> what is this? And so I looked at my dad and my dad said, go on. And so I went and played. And now I did learn my lesson that day. I learned that I should respect those in authority. I never did anything like that again. I knew that that was wrong. But I also learned an even greater lesson. And that was grace. And that was forgiveness. And as I think back, or I think in my life, when I have instances where I'm tempted to say, I cannot forgive you for that, I think back to, well, Mr. Rice was forgiving to me. He welcomed me back. He was accepting. And so what I learned was the need to forgive and accept others because not only did Mr. Rice do that, but he did that because Christ had done that for us. So here in this short letter, uh, we learn a lot about how we can restore relationships in our society, in our spheres of influence. First of all, we need to be peacemakers uh, in which we view everyone equally and are motivated by love. We need to be self-sacrificing, willing to give up our rights and be humble enough to admit our mistakes when we've done something wrong. Uh, and we also need to be humble enough to be welcoming of all people, to forgive those who've wronged us and to accept others just as Christ has accepted us. I'm not sure in your life or in your recent uh, past if... Um, who you can relate to most in this story. Some of you um, may can, maybe can relate to Paul, and maybe God is calling you to be a peacemaker. Maybe you have friends or coworkers or family members who are really going at each other. And God can use you to be someone to restore back the relationship. Not taking sides, not saying who's right or wrong, but bringing people together because that's what God wants. He wants restored relationships. Maybe some of you can feel like Philemon. You're like, you know someone who's, who's harmed you, who's said something or done something that's hurt you. And maybe God is calling you to welcome them back, to forgive them. Um, and when they ask for forgiveness, to be able to grant that. Others of you may be like Onesimus. Maybe you're the one who said something or done something to harm or hurt someone else. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend. I don't know. And maybe God's calling you to have the humility to go to that person and say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Now, whether they forgive you or not, that's, that's up to God and that person. But releasing that can give you a clear conscience to know that you've done the right thing in restoring back relationships. And I believe if we are these type of people who are peacemakers, self-sacrificing, welcoming, God will transform us. He will transform our society in a society that will live for him, honor him, and bring glory to him. So let's pray that we can be these people today. Let's pray.
Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this short little letter that you give us, which gives us insight into um, how Paul was seeking to restore back relationship between Onesimus and Philemon. And Lord, thank you for how you have accepted and forgiven us. None of us would be here today if you weren't merciful and gracious and forgiving. And so, Lord, may we be um, the same. May we be welcoming and forgiving for the, to those around us who've harmed us. And Lord, we aren't perfect either. We've made mistakes. May we be humble enough to admit that and to seek to restore relationships. And may all of this be done for your name and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.